clock has hit zero, and this one is in the books. It's time for Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now let's join your host, Jason Shepard. Well, we walked into today's game assuming it was going to be a BYU blowout. That's exactly what we had today. The Cougars get the win 56-24 on the road at UMass, 49 nothing was the halftime score. BYU had done all of the work it needed to to secure the victory, quite honestly, in the first quarter, uh, but certainly in the first half. The second half, not as clean as head coach Kalani Satake would have wanted, but you also have most of the starters out. What a fantastic game for two people in general. And I'm going to start, certainly, with Jackson McChesney. So happy to see him come back out onto the field after what looked like he got hurt, able to come back and still go. 15 carries, 228 yards, two touchdowns, a phenomenal day for the freshman. And I've got to give it up to Zach Wilson. His first half performance was great. 17 of 20 for 293 yards, four touchdowns, a QB rating of 274.1. A a fantastic job by the BYU offense today. They came out ready. They were prepared. They came out and they flexed their muscles against a team that they should beat. They are now 7-4. and They secure a winning record for the season. Congratulations to uh, Kalani Satake, his staff, and this team. They will now wrap up the regular season next week on the road at San Diego. All right, let's update you on some other action going on right now in college football. Uh, Top 25 action. Three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Number two, Ohio State leading number eight, Penn State, 28-17. to Uh, Some finals for, actually, let's go this one. This one's with five minutes to go. Number 22, Iowa State, with a three-point lead over Kansas at 34-31. to uh, Just underway in the uh, second quarter, it is Texas State at Appalachian, Appalachian State. Uh, Appalachian State 24th in the country. They lead Texas State 7-0. Number 16, Notre Dame, with a 3-0 lead over Boston College. And now finals. It was number 10, Minnesota winning at Northwestern, 38-22. 15th-ranked Auburn, flanking Samford, 52-0. 17th-ranked Iowa, 9 better than Illinois at 19-10. Number 21, Oklahoma State gets the road win at West Virginia, 20-13. Number 5, Alabama defeats Western Carolina, 66-3. Coming up later on today, number 4, Georgia hosting Texas A&M. 13th-ranked Michigan at Indiana. Baylor hosting Texas. UCLA at number 23, USC. Number 25, SMU at Navy. Purdue at Wisconsin. South Florida hosting number 18, Memphis. Number 1, LSU in action at home in Baton Rouge hosting Arkansas. Temple will be at number 19, Cincinnati. Number 6, Oregon at Arizona State. TCU traveling to Norman, Oklahoma to take on the ninth-ranked Oklahoma Sooners at 8 o'clock Mountain Time. Number 7, Utah, will be at Arizona. And then at 8.30 tonight, number 20, Boise State, in Logan at Romney Stadium to take on the Utah State Aggies. We'll take a break, come back, we'll let you know what else has happened today with BYU teams. A national championship has been won, plus a preview of tonight's Sweet 16 for BYU women's soccer. Lots to get to on the other side. BYU football gets the win, 56-24 at UMass. More Cougar Post Game Live coming your way next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. 
Now back to your host, Jason Shepard. BYU now 7-4 and four on the season. They get the road win at UMass, 56-24. We'll get you back out to Amherst for more post-game coverage. Players and coaches uh, in the locker room area. We'll hear from uh, head coach Kalani Sataka coming up uh, a little bit later on. But hey, remember when the Cougars win, you win with Papa John's Pizza. Use the online promo code BYU50. That's BYU50 at PapaJohns.com this coming Monday and Tuesday and receive 50% off pizza. This offer is good at any Utah location. Going on right now, BYU Women's Volleyball hosting Gonzaga at the Smith Fieldhouse. They are in set number one. Zags with a one-point lead at 16-15 in set number one. Coming up tonight, it is Sweet 16 action in the uh, NCAA Women's Soccer. BYU, the number two seed, hosting NC State. That game will get underway at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. You will be able to hear that on the new skin, BYU Sports Network, on BYU Radio 107.9 FM and BYUCougars.com. On the line, an opportunity to advance to the Elite Eight. I will be on the call with Avery Walker. We'll have pregame coverage beginning at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Also, congratulations goes out to BYU Cross Country men's and women's. The men's team winning the national championship, the first national championship for the men's cross country in uh, program history. Congratulations to them. A number two finish for the uh, the women's team. Congratulations to Ed Eyestone, Coach Dilji Taylor, all of the athletes on a fantastic showing at Nationals. We'll take a break, come back, and we'll uh, wrap things up at least from our portion here in Provo, and we'll get you back to Amherst for postgame coverage with uh, coaches and players coming up in just a few minutes. BYU gets the win, 56-24 on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Jason Shepard for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back into our BYU Radio Studios in Provo, Utah. Cougars defeating the Minutemen today in Amherst, Massachusetts, 56-24. Heading into today's game, beyond how many points BYU scored, I said there's two things BYU needs to focus on today and two things only. Number one, get the win, which they did. That was not in doubt. Number two, stay healthy. By all accounts... It appears that BYU has stayed healthy, which is the, it's just the most important thing heading into one more game against San Diego State. And again, again, that game will be played next Saturday in San Diego, wrapping up the regular season. We already know BYU is heading to the Hawaii Bowl, uh, opponent to be determined at a later date. Uh, but the Cougars can wrap things up and end on a high note against a team in San Diego State that has a very, very good defense. It's basically flipping what we had today, whereas UMass is an okay offense. I mean, they're only averaging 19 points, but their defense was horrible. It's just the opposite. San Diego State's defense is really, really good. It's their offense that's suspect, so a little bit of a, of a different situation uh, from one week to the next for BYU, but they'll wrap up the regular season against the Aztecs next Saturday in San Diego. All right, that's going to do it for me. I'm going to get ready for some soccer. Again, I will be on the call with Avery Walker for BYU Women's Soccer tonight, looking to advance to the Elite Eight. We'll have that for you here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network, as well as BYU Radio 107.9 FM. Coming up on the other side, the Cougar Locker Room Show with Greg Rubel and Riley Nelson. You've been listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. 
Welcome back to post-game coverage of BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Our coverage continues with the Cougar Locker Room Show. Cougar Locker Room Show is brought to you by Utah Community Credit Union. Get more house, same payment at UCCU. It's what we do. Let's head live to the Mo Betta's broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU wins it by a final score today of 56-24. to 24. BYU scores 50 or more for the first time since 2016 against UMass. <laughs> that, day, that day, BYU defeated UMass in Provo by a score of 51-9. to 9. Today, it's 56-24. to 24. And this game was over early, uh, really over at halftime. 49-0, and everything UMass did, it did in the second half where they outscored BYU 24-7. But, uh, you know, tr- trying to poke too many holes today in this one, trying to find, uh, you know, dust on the Mona Lisa. It, it was a really solid win. The things you wanted to see from BYU, you did see a, a penalty-free Incredibly prolific first half at 49 nothing. You are playing backups, and you're hoping to just keep the same level of uh, of continuity and cleanliness. It wasn't always there, Riley, um, but hey, uh, your stars did what you needed to do. Go out and be almost perfect in the first half. Yeah, and even though we reported on a couple, you know, uh, Brackenell Bakri went out early in the game. We talked about Jackson McChesney getting rolled up on there at the end, Keanu Paga, but I watched him. You know, he came out to midfield and, and walked and high-fived all the fans, and he didn't look like anything too serious there. You accomplished your goal of staying healthy, which I think this was a tremendous tune-up for that game uh, heading into San Diego State and another step forward for this team this year that's continued since that halfway point of, of finding themselves 2-4 and four, has continued to get, take a step forward each week. They accomplished that here today. And even though Zach was um, you know, literally back last week for the first time since I, against Idaho State, he was really back today. This looked more like the Zach you'd expect uh, him to be, and indeed he was tremendous. So 17 for 20 today for 293, four touchdowns, no picks, passer rating of almost 275. He was zinging it around. Yeah, really accurate in rhythm. I mentioned in the pregame it looked like he was having trouble finding his rhythm against Idaho State. He was able to do that here today. Now, UMass played some interesting things. They didn't have a lot of safety help and allowed you know him to have one-on-one coverage deep down the field. I hope, my hope and desire is that they're going to be able to find uh, w- those same weaknesses in a better San Diego State defense, but give those same opportunities because Zach was really throwing the ball well down the field. He had that first, for those that uh, you know, listened to the entire game, he had that first throw, but watching him progress throughout the game, I really w- chalked that up uh, to getting hung up in the air because the wind was also stronger at the beginning of the game and lessened as it went through. So uh, outside of that one throw, every other throw came out of his hand well. It had good zip on it, good touch on it when it needed to. He was accurate and he was in rhythm. So did everything. I think we can officially declare Zach back. All right, coach and player comments forthcoming as we had to break. Make sure you witness every exciting moment at Lavelle Edwards Stadium next season. New season tickets on sale now for the 2020 campaign. Go to BYUtickets.com to get yours today. On a career day for Jackson McChesney, BYU wins it big, 56-24 over UMass. We'll head down to the locker room after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU 56 and UMass 24, our final score. Early in the game, it was it was Tyler Algier, who had no receptions and no rushes on the year, being forced into action with BYU down on backs this week. So Algier comes in. One of the first plays of the game is a 57-yard touchdown reception, a catch-and-runner. He really takes it in the flat. There's no gain on the catch. It's all yak yards. And Aldrew takes it down the far sideline. Good wheels 
for a 57-yard score. He would add 37 rushing yards. So you're saying, wow, for a linebacker, for Tyler Algier to have seven touches for 90-plus uh, for, for yards, seven for 94, that's pretty good. But then there's Jackson McChesney. And there's a guy who had his first carries of the year in the four-game window last week. He had 10 carries, 46, and a long of 10. Today, he goes 15 carries for 228. No lost yards on the ground. An average of 15.2. Two rushing touchdowns. He added uh, a couple of receptions for no gain. And uh, in so doing, Riley Nelson, a freshman, a late-in-the-season four-game window freshman, ends up setting BYU's single-game freshman record and BYU's sixth-best all-time rushing number all-time. Let's head down to the Cougar locker room and Kalani Sitake taking the podium. Excited about it. Uh, you know, talked to Coach Bell after the game and heard that Isaiah Rogers is, is, is going to be okay and make a full recovery, so happy about that. I think he has a lot of a potential and possibly playing at the next level, so happy to see that he's going to be good. And that us, I mean, you know, Just proud of the way our team played. Great effort and uh, especially in the first half. Uh, obviously not happy with some of the things that went on in the second half, but it's things that we can learn from and get better. So looking forward to that as we step up for the next week, in, uh, next week game against uh, San Diego State. So any questions? <clears throat> yeah, I was really pleased with the guys. I thought, I thought they played really well on assignment sound on defense. Um, offense, I think it was the first drive was the only one that, that uh, we, you know, didn't end up in some points, you know. But um, then the last one, we missed the field goal. So there's a lot of things that we've got to keep working on. But uh, overall, I'm just really pleased with the way those guys worked. And we decided in the second half to go young and go into our probably our threes more than anything. And uh, obviously, they didn't do it as well. They, they, a lot of them made some plays, but um, not enough. They gave us some points and some big plays. But uh, I think that's okay. We'll just keep working on it. And I don't know what yards they finished with, but uh, – I know in the first half they didn't have a lot, and so I think the second half those guys obviously gave up some big plays and some points, and I'm not happy about that, but we'll get better and keep working on it. Yeah, I mean, that's – it seems like he, he, he was, he was uh, kind of in his zone and felt really comfortable with it. And, um, I think the first series is what he got sacked, you know, and, and uh, other than that, I thought, I thought mentally he was ready to roll. So I was really happy that he's able to make some plays and uh, they'll spread the ball out quite a bit and uh, the run game worked. And so this was a really good moment for us, especially that second quarter. That was a lot of points. So, uh, Jaron, we'll still work. We're still seeing how, I mean, he wasn't dressed today, but um, that's going to be something that the training room can answer better than I can. So, well, he has a role right now. It's just not being on the field. And uh, Joe, I thought, was okay. You know, I have to watch the film, but um, we had some bad throws. And we, But, I mean, that's not all on him. That's offense uh, altogether. But, um, you know, I, I thought we should have had better production in the second half on offense and should have stopped guys on defense. Yeah, Jackson's a – we knew he was a playmaker. It's just a matter of him getting his legs back and – Getting healthy, we knew that we were going to try to redshirt him and keep him to the four-game limit for for uh, what he can do. And he's still he's still not 100 percent yet. You know, he's still coming back, trying to get healthy and trying to get the mission legs. Uh, you know, trying to get back his old legs that he had in Lone Peak. But uh, the guy is a 
he's a speedster, so whenever he breaks open to the next level, it's usually a, a big play for him. I thought Tyler Algier did a good job filling in as well. And, um, they moved him over midweek because of the injury to Sione. And, um, yeah, I thought, I thought uh, offensively they, they put a good game plan that would highlight those guys move, uh, taking care of the football, first of all, and then moving the ball on the ground. Yeah, I mean they, they've always they've always done that. They've 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 had a lot of energy, you know, and it's up to our, us coaches to keep uh, using that energy and that excitement, and the effort that they give us, and and to get success. And so, uh, I'm just glad that the guys were able to handle it well. And you mentioned that the maturity. A lot of them grew up a lot this year. You know, it just wasn't like they just came home from their missions and were ready to roll. A lot of them grew up, and and hopefully some of them will grow up again um, in the second half. You know, we. We had a lot of guys make some plays and a lot of guys give up some plays. And that's, yeah, I think it's okay to, to learn some really tough lessons um, and still come away winning with with uh, how comfortably we got that win. So uh, that that should make our team better. I, I just, I'm not really happy with with the the performance by our defense in the second half. And that's just, that's just part. But I'm really happy that we got the win. And it wasn't everyone. It was just enough guys and UMass made plays wherever we made mistakes. And that's... That can't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he, you know, I mean, we've had to replace him on defense a little bit because he usually gets a lot of reps and gets a lot of plays for us. So. But I thought I thought the coaches did an amazing job. Coach Grimes and, and AJ Stewart and A Rod, all the, that whole group did a good job putting together a game plan that would utilize those guys' skill, you know. And, and I think you see some of the swing passes that we threw to not only him but Jackson, and, and we used Lopini as sparingly as we could to keep him healthy. And um, but I, th I think the the great day I saw some O line being up front, you know, moving moving the piles and moving people, and and when they do that, it should it should be. It should be in our favor. Anybody can run the ball when that happens. Yeah, you remember when we talked about that? That was some one of the, the low parts of last week's performance that we had so many administrative penalties. So we wanted to see that improve. And again, I, I give a lot of credit to our coaches for. Um, Teaching our guys more discipline, but also making sure that that they perform better. And um, you know, we still had some penalties a little bit here and there, but I, th I thought it wasn't anything that was. Uh, I don't think I don't know if we had any. Did we have any false starts? I don't know. Yeah, that's that's good. So let's let's just continue that one rolling for a while. But I, I think there are things that we wanted to improve on, and we made a, a huge step with this game, and that was one of them: is, is limiting or not having administrative penalties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they were upset because it was on on their sideline. But I I I didn't see the play, and I was looking for a replay, didn't show it. But it seemed like he might have slipped, and we might have hit him. And it seemed the timing was all wrong. And um, you know, our guys, I thought our guys played a clean sports uh, sportsmanship type of game. And and afterwards, I think they were upset and, and had some pushing. And we just told our guys not to worry about it. But we, you know, we had a word of prayer for for Isaiah and, and his family and for their team at that point. And that was. We're not a cheap team, and they know it. And after the game, we're able to shake hands and, and have a and, and and share our mutual respect for each other.
Mm-hmm. Well, I just I just like the fact that we came out of this fairly heavy, uh, uh, injury free, you know, on, on the offensive side and, and um, defensively, same thing. We might have a couple guys that went down. I think Bracken was one that was uh, the one that sticks out the most, but uh, we'll see how that goes. I, we'll, we'll get these guys healed up and the, the healthy ones will be ready to roll next week and, and looking forward to going to San Diego. And like we saw a lot of our fans out here, appreciate them being out here and supporting us. Looking forward to seeing all our fans down the SoCal area as well. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to ending ending the season, the regular season, the right way. Mm-hmm. No, Austin Lee is not season-ending. Neither is Lorenzo. We're looking forward to getting them back next week. Um, Chris, we're we're holding him off a little bit as well. Chris Wilcox didn't make the trip. And so um, we'll see how they progress. But I'm uh, pretty sure Austin and, and, um, and Lorenzo will play next week. Maybe I mean I, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I I don't I think he's from that Southern California area, so he wants to play in this game. But we'll we'll do what's the, the best thing for him. And and sometimes you have to save these young men from themselves and their desire to play. So we'll see what happens. All right. All right, head coach Kalani Sitaki. Right, we'll guys. come back. We will hear from Jackson McChesney and Zach Wilson next. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 56-24, our final score, BYU over UMass. Down in the Cougar Locker Room area, Zach Wilson and Jackson McChesney talking to the media. You know, I think that's that's the key, right, is those guys need that experience to be able to step up. And, it's, you know, it's only making our team better. And then, you know, we want to show respect to the other team as well. Um, you know, just great classmanship they had. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the huge focus, you know, all week is, you know, no offense to these guys, but games that we should win, you know, not playing down to someone's level. It's just like, you know, we we, we can compete with the best teams. So we got to play like a consistent, really good team every week, no matter who we're playing. And so, that was the focus, just you know, playing against ourselves this week is that we gotta we gotta battle. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I can't use that as an excuse. Obviously, watching film from last week, and you know, things got to be better. I think all around as a team last week, um, but I think this week, you know, it was good that we were able to come out fast and and start strong. And like I said, everything's everything's part of the team, and you know, it was good to just get back in the flow. You definitely get more comfortable. I mean. Even though we lost the Toledo game, you know, it was a game right before I got injured. It just, it just, every game you play, you really feel like you grow as a player. And even though we lost Toledo, I felt like that was, you know, personally the the best mentally, physically I've been um, as a quarterback. And so, you know, it's kind of just getting back to where I was then when I left off. It's kind of like like what you're asking. Zach, I know you dealt with the injuries, but your running backs have had a lot of guys who have been hurt. So what's that like? You know, because Tyler moves over from linebacker, you bring in, he scores a touchdown, get a great game from Jackson. Yeah, I mean these guys have grit. Um, you know, Coach Stewart every day in practice, they're the most disciplined group. 
Um, they're the most focused up and ready to go group. They bring the juice every day, and so you know it's no surprise that guys like Jax will step up because he's you know he's a heck of a player. He's got great speed, and you know it really starts with those big boys up front opening the hole and, and giving these guys an opportunity to make guys miss. And I think that was the biggest thing all day is you know you put these guys in space and they're able to make one and two guys miss and, and they're off to the races. Kind of what Zach was saying, like the lines opening up the holes, guys like Mason Wake throwing their bodies in front of people just so we can get through. And Coach was saying the entire game, he's like, you got to make someone miss or someone else is going to score. And so that's kind of was our, our mentality from the running back room, just either make someone miss or someone else is going to come in and score for you. What's this video been like with Shone going down, Tyler coming over, joining the group, Peeney comes in and gets some rushes, but you know, and it's hard to see someone go down, especially someone you're with every single day. Such a such a sad experience for all of us. But you know, it kind of motivate us to to be able to go get it this week, be able to do what we can to, to show up for Sione. Is the performance you had today sort of what you expected coming into BYU? You know, I'm I'm just trying to do what I can, do my 111th. That's what coach is always talking about. Everyone do their job because if everyone does their job, we're going to do great things. You were kind of the only guy that really shined in the second half. Did you notice maybe a mental letdown at all? I know a lot of it was subs and that, but was there kind of drop off as far as your edge goes? Um, no, I didn't really feel like feel like that. I just feel like I don't really know how to answer that question. I mean the team, not yourself, but just offensively it didn't click in the second half. Why was that? You know, I feel like we just had some some tough situations when we got backed up on the one yard line. You know, it's hard to drive 99 yards down the field. But, you know, we, we made some, some mental mistakes, maybe things we should have done, and we got to fix that for, for future, future games. I think, I think personally that just, that just comes back to, you know, the, the second guy's got to be ready. Um, you know, it's, it's not a game you're expecting to throw guys in, in in the second half, but you always got to be ready. I know there was times where guys weren't expected to get thrown on the field and, you know, there was plays to be made, but it's, it, was, it was really just errors on our side as, as an offensive you know, I don't think it was an energy letdown necessarily or a mental letdown, but just, you know, missed assignments and that lack of being ready to go in and play. Talk about, Any other questions? Talk about your first touchdown. You bounced up a couple of tackles and then suddenly it was just grass. Let's have fun with that. It, it felt really good. You know, I remember just lowering my shoulder on that guy and then realized I was still on my feet. So I kind of went in the end zone. I kind of like grabbed the ball. I didn't really know what I was doing with it and I threw it over the, the referee's head. I was just so excited to finally be in the end zone for the first time. Any other questions for these two? Yeah. Jackson's, uh, it was the most ever by a freshman running back in six months in history. Right? Not a bad game. His yards rushing. Shumway, do you have any questions? Most ever by a freshman at BYU. And the first most in history. Probably not appropriate for this one. They're really personal. What talent did all right, we'll take a break. Uh, we'll head back to the Cougar Locker Room show after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 56-24, today's final score, BYU over UMass, down at the Cougar Locker Room press conference podium table area. Talon Shumway, we believe J.J. Nwigwe will also be present. <laughs> the same thing happened last week. I didn't, like, you, you get pulled, and I'm like, 
at this point, counting down the minutes of my career, <laughs> saying, like, keep me in. I want to stay. I want to play. But, uh, you know, they do what they have to. And um, the younger guys deserve an opportunity. But, yeah, I'm, I'm never happy to be pulled out. Did they kind of get offset by getting that goal bid? It's just like you're missing the minutes now, but you'll get them later. Techni- yeah, I guess uh, that kind of works out because I've missed one game in the last – two weeks, so I guess that'll make up for it, but still, I mean, I want to play. Zach said last week that Russ wasn't an excuse. Did he do anything over this week in practice that kind of showed that he really wanted to even take it a step higher? I think probably just having another week, uh, and because, I mean, it's not like he'd doesn't work hard. It's just the more time you have working and, and practicing, you're going to play well or play better. So um, I think, yeah, maybe for him, and I don't know if, if he said anything about it, but uh, he probably, yeah, he probably was just really focused this week on having a good week and he had a good game. I like seeing your fellow home team along go out and burn for 200 yards. I don't know. I was probably married before he was born, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's cool because I, I, um, I, I grew up playing with Austin, so Jackson was always around. I, I even remember when I was in fifth grade, like, he was a baby. And when me and Austin first started playing together, he was like a toddler, and um, he was always hanging around. So it's kind of funny to to be playing with him. What am I still doing here? <laughs> I, should have, I should have been gone with Mitchell. Well, I should say good and bad, uh, just like you're going to see with anybody playing. And uh, a lot of guys, like, they're, they're getting, gaining that game experience, so uh, there's going to be both. But definitely saw some really good things and uh, um, a lot of guys with some upside. So not that I know anything about defense, but it looks good. Any other questions for Talon? All right, that was wide receiver Talon Shumway. As soon as uh, J.J. Nwigwe is at the podium, we'll head right back down to the locker room and get the defensive perspective, at least from J.J., who had an interception today. Uh, we haven't given you defensive numbers yet. Let's do that right now. BYU led today on the day by Diane Gomoliku's five tackles. They were all solo. He had a TFL, a fumble forced, and a fumble recovery. So a complete day for Diane. He was the leading tackler for BYU. There were a few other guys with five tackles apiece, but nobody with as many solo stops as Diane Gomoliku today. Also involved on TFLs today, Isaiah Kafusi had one. Gabe Summers had .5 TFLs. Uh, Kyrus Tonga had a TFL. So too Alden Tofa. Kavika Fonua and Uriah Leatawa had half tackles for loss. Isaiah Heron with a TFL. So too Chaz Ayu, a half tackle for loss for Bo Tanner. And Shimon Willis also with a tackle for loss. Two fumbles forced today, one by Diane Gomoliku. Won by uh, Coy Harris as well. Let's head down to the Cougar locker room area. J.J. Nwigwe at the podium. Performance. I think they had 16 total yards at halftime. Uh, yes, sir. Um, 16 only yards. We just kind of knew going into practice that uh, we're going to treat this game like any other game. We knew it was their senior night, so you know we're going to come out. They're going to come out with a chip on their shoulder, and they had good players, and so we practiced and prepared that way. And so as soon as kickoff started, we already knew that we had to bring it. Um, I think I was just in a good place at a good time. Um, honestly, all credit goes out to our defense. Uh, it was like a big coverage hurry, Kyrus with the hurry. All the, all of our secondary had all the receivers locked up, and 
uh, the quarterback, he just tried to throw it away, and it's like he looked at me, and he threw it, and I'm like, oh, my, like, I can catch this. And, of course, I didn't catch it initially. It hit my helmet. It bounced on my, my shoulder pass, and I kind of, like, double-caught it in the air and uh, just secured the ball. It was, it was crazy. It was unreal. Um, just seeing the sideline get hype after that was really fun. So, How much after the tight end days did that help, just being able to keep track of the ball and be able to bring it in? Um, <laughs> um, I think just always when the tight end coaches would harp on me when I was drop pass, just look the ball in, look the ball in, look the ball in. Uh, I think that was me telling myself when I was trying to double uh, catch the ball. I was like, just look the ball in and try to like grab it and bring it in and secure the ball. And that was kind of running in my head. So I just really appreciate Coach Clark for all those uh, years of the tight end room. Speaking, you guys got better today. Do you think? When, when games are running away like this, can you improve? Uh, yes, sir. Just looking at our defense, when uh, we came out and the first half was really good, and that allowed some of the younger guys to come in and play and show what they can do. And uh, we always have to improve, definitely, like from both sides, like the starters, so three deep to where if they come in, there's no drop off. And so it was just a good learning experience for our younger guys and um, just extra uh, rep help just to help us in the last few games of the season. What's the message there in the second half? Because they were able to get some drives and make some plays. You guys get the big fourth down stop. But, I mean, still, you know, probably not the level you'd hope that even the third string, you know, the, the third string guys would want. So what's kind of the message to the, those young guys that made some mistakes there in the second half? Um, just keep your head up and uh, keep fighting. You can't coach effort. Just keep the effort and intensity there. And, you're going to make some mistakes, but don't let those mistakes get you. And some players are not going to go how you want it, but that's the same thing from from all levels, from starters to third string. You just have to uh, bounce back from those plays. And I think the young guys on a lot of that, and just not the young guys, including myself. Costa was in the second half and in the game, and there's some plays that got away from me that I wish I could have back. But um, it was good to see the young guys play. When you're playing with a whole unit like that, where a lot of the, the guys were you know, second, third, four-string guys, how different is it as a unit? Because it is you know, such a group of, of guys that maybe a lot of guys that don't have a lot of experience as opposed to when you just shuffle in a few out on rotations. Um, to me, <laughs> to me, I kind of don't really pay attention. I just look back and I'm like, oh, you're in the game. That's cool. Uh, they're all in the same meeting room as us. They live just like us. They're in practice, and they work hard just like us. So when they come in, I, I know they're going to do their job. And just them not, like, getting some reps might make them, like, maybe miss an assignment here and there or maybe, like, technique is a little off. But I just know they'll bounce back. Um, I love all the young guys. It's cool to see. I'm a big Ben By- uh, Bywater fan, so it's good to see them out there making plays too. All right, thanks, JJ. Thanks, JJ. Thank you. All right, that is JJ Nwigwe, part of BYU's winning effort today here at UMass. 56-24. Cougars go to 7-4 and four on the year. The UMass season ends at 1-11. and 11. We'll continue our postgame coverage from Amherst coming up after we tell you that title and escrow can be complicated. With over 50 years' experience in Utah, Provo Land Title has the expertise to navigate your buying, selling, or building project. Provo Land Title, making the complicated easier. Back with more from UMass right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Who 
postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show, brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America Visa credit cards featuring triple rewards. Let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so BYU on a day with more than 600 yards in total offense, 300-plus rushing, 300-plus passing, easily takes care of UMass by a score of 56-24. to 24. BYU uh, has its first 300-300-yard day against an FBS opponent uh, since defeating Air Force 62-41 to 41 back in uh, 2008. Before we hear from BYU head coach Kalani Sitake, let's hear a few words from Walt Bell, the head coach of the UMass Minutemen. Our thanks to intern Jeffrey, Jeffrey Carroll, for grabbing these comments from the coach a short time ago. You know, first thing, you know, especially, you know, tough year, um, but I, I think the biggest thing is just especially headed in Thanksgiving is just how thankful I am for, for our older kids. You know, and everything that they've been through, um, you know, especially those guys that are fifth-year seniors and have been here for, you know, we've got a couple guys that are fifth-year guys and, and, you know, those, you know, 11 seniors that we have out there today, you know, I mean, those guys, um, you know, from a winning and losing standpoint, you know, had a really tough four years of college football. And uh, that was kind of our talk in the locker room was, you know, what's going to allow us, you know, their ability to allow us to come in here and, and, and create some really instrumental change, especially off the field, academically and socially, um, and, and kind of embracing that new normal is what's going to allow us to to be a good football program moving forward, you know. And so really appreciative of those guys, um, you know, really, really thankful for those guys, you know. And um, as, a, as a coach, you know, obviously we all know the, the metric that matters to the majority of people, and that's winning and losing. But... You know, to see some of the, the looks on those, you know, seniors' faces and, um, you know, how tough it's been on some of those guys. But, you know, knowing that all those guys are going to have great success in life and be great ambassadors for this program moving forward, you know, that makes it all worth it. And so really appreciative and thankful for them. So, All right, that's Walt Bell, head coach of the UMass Minutemen. Perhaps some more from Coach Bell coming up later in our coverage, but let's head down to the Cougar locker room area now because Kalani Sitaki is on headset. The Cougars are looking to get out of town. Kalani, I'm not sure if you were able to hear uh, Coach Bell's comments at all, if you were on headset or not. Did you hear those? No, I didn't, I didn't okay. hear. All right, so uh, thoughts then on uh, how you guys uh, came out of here with a 56-24 win today. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you heard me in the, in the post game. just uh, obviously just really, really happy with the first half and, and then the second half not really happy, you know, but – uh, uh, not not like I was completely um, unhappy about everything, but there's some things that, that uh, definitely we can do better. And so um, uh, we're going to learn from it and get better, but, but a lot of these guys are, are only one or two plays from getting in the game, you know, so uh, we need to see more growth. And a lot of guys have grown up, but uh, it seems like the mistakes that we made or in coverage or if something broke down, uh, UMass was able to capitalize on it. That long run was something that we were in base stuff, and, and um, you know we, we expect our linebackers to be there and make the tackle, and so I do a better job of getting those guys ready. It seems like uh, sometimes for some of the guys, the moment was a little big for them, you know, getting out there and, and, and getting those rests, but uh, I don't know how else to get them ready other than, than give them those opportunities, and, and hopefully they learn from that and we can get better from it. <clears throat> you could have added points at the end of the first half, and then you allowed points at the beginning of the second half with a couple of special teams miscues booking and bookending halftime, missed field goal and then a muff punt. Yeah, and so uh, just just you know we defensively we did a good job getting three and out, and then all of a sudden uh, we muff a punt, and then they throw the ball in the next play and get us get a score, and that that uh, good for them, bad for us, right? But I expect our guys, even if we do muff a punt or if it's on the one yard line, we 
we get get a stop and now the guys did a good job getting a stop on on fourth down in the in the in the goal line area i was really happy with those the way they played there but shouldn't have, shouldn't have been down there in the beginning you know so uh, a lot of good reps though for our guys to learn from um and and uh i'm talking defense offensively there's still some things that they could have done better too they didn't put a lot of points up in the i think what seven in the third quarter no score in the fourth quarter so that that's not good and then um you know, we'll just keep working with it. But uh, for the most part, the ones were uh, outstanding on all three phases except for the f- missed field goal. Uh, uh, you, you talk about the fourth quarter stop you just hit on a minute ago. The third down play by Hayden Livingston, that's that's an all-timer. That was that was tremendous. Keeping that guy, he, he looks like he's heading in, and all of a sudden Hayden says, not so fast. Yeah, and Hayden's got tons of talent. We we feel really good with the talent level that we have. and uh, But that that's a guy that, that's been primarily a, a quarterback, you know, and so... Uh, got home from his mission, and we kind of put him into the safety position. I think he's going to be really good there as well. And uh, we have a lot of talent on on this team. We just um, need to develop them as fast as we can. And uh, you know, I thought we gave up some big plays on 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 the pass game, and then uh, obviously that one run just really bugs me. So uh, we'll learn from it, and I just got to get over it, <laughs> you know. But um, but I, I, at the same time, I I don't know how, but I I really know that I have to coach these guys, and our coaches have to get on them for the mistakes that they made, and that cannot happen. You, you cannot stand for uh, any anything that's not their best, and, and we know better. We know these guys can play better than that. Coach, uh, before Sione got hurt, it was kind of Sione and Lopini. Well, before Lopini got hurt, even in the Boise Utah State games, it was a two-headed monster, and it's kind of been the two throughout the season. Or early on, obviously, Tyson and Lopini and, and all that. And we saw three today. Obviously, uh, you mentioned in your press conference that we were trying to limit Lopini a little bit. But against San Diego State, do we kind of expect to see the two with uh, Lopini and Jackson? Or maybe uh, is it going to be a three-pronged approach throwing Tyler in there? Well, I think we have to let him compete and see what our offensive coaches come up with. I think, uh, like you said, we are trying to limit Lopini a little bit, and then he kept um, lowering his head and trying to run pe- over people, you know, and so uh, I like that, that the, the mentality is to be aggressive and be physical, but um, yeah, we, we really had to just be careful with him, and then and Tyler, we moved over, so it's not like he's in running back shape yet, but uh, but he's I, I was pleased with the way he went over there and made some plays, took that catch, and, and took off, you know, and um, this is, this is uh, again, everyone stepping up, and with the injuries that we've been dealt, uh, other guys stepping up and really uh, making an impact, it's why I have I'm, I'm so um, I have the sense of urgency to teach these young guys, especially on defense, when you don't when you don't do well, you know this is your opportunity to, to really uh, do something on the field. And when you don't do well, we need to get that corrected and get it uh, fixed as soon as possible. And um, but not everyone. Uh, for the most part, we had a lot of guys doing their job and, and playing great football. It's just a matter of just a few that, that we can we can uh, fix, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that corrected. After going three and out to open the game, Kalani, seven possessions, seven touchdowns, and the next seven times you touched the ball. It was amazing. That was great, and, and uh, just love the way the guys played and, and the way Zach looked really sharp. Yeah. And, um, you know, O-line looked sharp. They, they weren't making mistakes. They weren't. Everyone was on. We, we did a lot of hard snap counts as well, and it seems like the timing, everything was flowing really, really well, you know, and, and uh, couldn't get that momentum and that, that flow going as as uh, clean in the second half with uh, with some of the backups in there. But uh, we expect that to be better, you know, and, and looking forward to getting that done. And uh, we were able to use a lot of guys and keep guys fresh. I mean, 
most of our guys played just one half of football, and that, that was really nice to keep our guys fresh that way. When we talked in pregame, you weren't counting on, on having Lopini. You said it was kind of a game-time decision. Clearly, mm-hmm. he got the clearance, and he got to play for you. He gave you some good uh, some good reps as well. He did, and, and um, you know, we it was a game-time deal and, and um, didn't know exactly until about right before kickoff, and that was good news for us. And, and uh, But I think going into the game, we, we knew that we were going to get a heavy dose of of Jackson McChesney and, and Tyler Algier. And, and um, I thought the three guys really worked well together. And then, you know, we were able to get um, Alec um, Mesa in there and get get him some plays. So uh, the thing I, I'll say again, I said after the, on, on BYU TV, I said that I just like that they took care of the football. That's the one thing I was really pleased with. No matter who was in there, the, the running backs had good ball security and just really frustrated over the muff punt because it turned into points. And... Um, We've got to get our special teams uh, ready to roll. They can't turn the ball over. I, I like that the offense didn't turn the ball over. I like that they um, didn't have any administrative penalties, no false starts. And uh, that's stuff that, that you see a lot of improvement. And spe- even with the, the younger guys going in, not having those penalties was a, was a big step for our guys. Quick word before the break. Uh, Kalani, you gave, you gave Baylor Romney another week of rest now. So another week closer to being healthy if, you need, if he's needed? Yeah, yeah, and I think he's. These last two weeks have been really important for him, and his and his recovery. So I, I think, um, you know, we'll see how how he continues to to get better. And same with Jaron, those guys continue to get better. And and um, you know, I think he'll be ready to go if we need him next week. All right, more with Kalani coming up next. BYU fifty six and UMass twenty four. Our final score here in Amherst on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. You're listening to the Cougar Post Game Coaches Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so we are back at McGurk Alumni Stadium, Amherst, Massachusetts. BYU defeats UMass by a score of 56-24, taking a 49-0 lead at halftime. Time for the Mountain America field goal recap. For each field goal that BYU makes, Mountain America donates $500 to the American Red Cross. So far this season... Mountain America has donated $7,000. Mountain America Credit Union guiding you forward. No field goals today, but plenty of touchdowns. Eight touchdowns. BYU wins at 56-24. Head coach Kalani Sitake with us now. Uh, coach, uh, you, you guys have clinched a winning season now. You want more than seven, but uh, you're, you're going to finish above 500. You're going to go to a bowl game again. Um, how do you feel about the, tra- the, 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 the trajectory of things right now with your program? I feel really good. I feel good about the um, the progress that I'm seeing from our guys and even considering all the injuries that we've had to uh, go through, you know, and the new bodies that I'm seeing on the field. And I like the fact that we have uh, a good number of them coming back next year. So that's a good sign for us and uh, just excited to keep building on this. I, I've seen some momentum gained from the last five games, but I've seen all year long. And, and uh, to have guys like Jackson McChesney that, that um, was on the scout team and still working through his ways and getting his legs back from his mission to being a guy that's going to rush for the most uh, yards in, the, in BYU history as a, as a freshman and continue to be a freshman next year is huge for us. So that's, And then you see guys like Blake Freeland, that, that, that uh, same situation, and, and you know called to start for us early and, and, and doing a great job. This, I'm just naming a couple guys, but there's a lot of guys that have, have really stepped up and made their way in, on the field a lot more. And there's some guys that, that are in the prog- uh, process of stepping up and becoming those guys as well. They just didn't play it as well, specifically on the defensive side uh, in the second half. But but we'll work on it, and I look forward to seeing them uh, improve and progress and, and seeing what other new bodies will be, uh, you know, contributors to our wins. 
Coach, uh, the bowl opponent is not officially confirmed, but it's likely Hawaii due to most projections. And San Diego State and Hawaii kick off tonight at 9. So my question is, one, will you watch it? And if you will watch it, are you watching it from an entertainment value or scouting, or do you wait for the All-11 film before you really get into an opponent? No, I'm going to watch it because I I love football, and I watch every part of football I can. So I'll watch that, and then I'll watch the 11-on-11 again. And... um, yeah, we'll see what happens, but I I I know that I hope that game goes into 20 overtimes tomorrow or tonight, and um, you know, but I think it's important for us to see those guys. And I know a lot of our guys will watch that game too. So uh, this is part of the season. We can we know we can have a empty our tanks in this last game, and know that we're going to have some recovery time and some practices to get ready for the bowl game. So there's a lot of excitement in that locker room, man. Just that win is just you see a lot of guys just excited about their performance and they should be really proud of how they played this is kind of turning a little bit into the san diego state preview show but how do you prepare for a team that is so obviously one faceted meaning their defense is so strong their offense struggles so mightily but they've despite being uh, despite that being the case they're eight and two on the season how do you prepare for a team whose defense is its strength well rocky long is a good coach and so they'll be ready they have athleticism on offense and special teams and defense so uh, it's not like we can just uh assume that they're going to be you know what what their stats show but uh we we have we have done some really good things performance wise as well if you look at the stats sheet right now you'd probably say that you know defense we gave a lot of big plays but you see what we did in the first half how dominant those guys were and how physical our team was i feel really good about that and so we're keeping things to the fundamentals and the basics of what we're what our identity is and we have to play physical against them and we have to play with great effort which the players have given us all year long and then we have to stay aggressive, and that's going to be offense, defense, and special teams, and and see what happens. I mean, tons of respect for San Diego State and and their team and the the, the success that I mean, they were ranked for a few weeks in the season, so it's not like um, you know they're they're someone you don't respect. You you respect them a lot, and you know that they can make plays. But we had the same mindset going into this game against UMass as well. That a lot of respect, and we just knew that we had to be ready and play at our best. And I thought we started the game great, played great first half, and and, and uh, learned some lessons in the second half. And looking forward to, to uh, performing at our best against San Diego State. And the fact that it's the last game of the year and the regular season uh, in 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 San Diego in front of a lot of our fans, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to our guys just going out there and having fun. You mentioned a lot of your fans, and BYU may never play in a smaller venue in front of a smaller crowd, 8,204 today. But of that group, a lot of BYU blue out there, and I know you're always grateful for the people who travel to watch you uh, wherever you go, and, and the players got to meet a lot of those BYU fans after today's game. It was awesome. And uh, the, my only regret is that I can't do it because I have to do all this media stuff, <laughs> you know what I mean? But our players really enjoy um, mingling and getting to know all the fans out this way and, and fans everywhere that we go, even at home, you know, but it was just nice to just show the appreciation to those those fans showing up and, man, we we love them so much. They're, they're awesome. They made noise. They, play, they, they cheered their hearts out and it was so much fun to give them, give them a win, you know, and uh, and our, our players just really thrive on that. They, they, they live for it and uh, that's why I'm so happy to be their coach, man. These guys, under, they get it. They understand the purpose of them playing football at BYU, and and uh, it's it's a lot of fun when you see them enjoying every part of it. And last thing, Kalani, hey, it's five straight wins. This five-game win streak matches the streak you had at the end of your first season in 2016. We hope there's more to come. Yeah, let's keep building on it, and, and we hear there's good news with the cross-country teams, you yes. know, so uh, uh, Tom gave, gave gave me the news on that, so I'm really proud of our, 
our uh, women's and men's cross-country teams, even though I don't understand their, why they run. But uh, <laughs> just really happy that they do and, and that they, they get, get so much success. I know those coaches and, and those young men and young women, they work really hard, and it's just nice that they that it paid off for them and, and, and the results and really proud of them. So uh, good weekend for BYU. And I know Jen Rockwood's team uh, knows that you follow their uh, – Oh, yeah. And, and they're home in, <laughs> to NC State in the Sweet 16 tonight. So Let's go, man. And then, and, and, you know, the Spider was able to see see those guys yeah. – uh, uh, I think they got a shutout, right? It was 4-0. Four so, last night, yeah. Yeah, great, great weekend and um, just a, a fun weekend for the fans and, and glad we could be part of it. So just thank you to everyone. Appreciate what you guys do for BYU Sports as well. Thanks to you, uh, Kalani. Congrats to you and the boys on win number seven, and we'll see you back in town. Go Cougs. Thanks. Okay, thanks, Kalani. All right, that is Kalani Sitake. We will come back with more postgame coverage with Cougar Nation now. Hashtag. BYUCNN on Twitter, hashtag BYUCNN. Send us your tweets or your emails to be a part of Cougar Nation Now. You can email us, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. Cougar Nation Now, one long word, two ends near the end. Cougar Nation Now at BYU.edu. Your emails, your tweets coming up as we talk about BYU's win over UMass and look ahead to San Diego State and a bowl game and how the Cougars hope to finish this thing out. From Amherst, in front of 8,000 and change. Yes, 8,204 today's attendance in this very small, we'll call it intimate venue. BYU dominates 56-24. And you heard it all right here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to BYU Dining's Cougar Nation now. BYU Dining, a classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Be a part of the show by emailing your questions to CougarNationNow at BYU.edu or tweet your questions using the hashtag BYUCNN. Let's head live to the Mo Betta's broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, Mitchell Jurgens, and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Hope you enjoyed all of our postgame conversations with BYU players and head coach Kalani Sitaki. You heard Kalani both in the press conference and with Riley and me, Greg Grubel, Riley Nelson with you. Mitchell Juergens soon to join us here in the press box. He's making his way up from the Cougar locker room area, having been the go-between for all the postgame audio you heard. And indeed, uh, Mitchell's very busy postgame, and everything you hear uh, postgame usually comes courtesy of what Mitchell's able to arrange. And so our thanks to Mitchell and engineers Michael and Barry for getting that all set up for you. So, yeah, BYU 56 and UMass 24 is our final score. Greg Grubel and Riley Nelson with you and telling you that, uh, of course, the tonight's show is brought to you by BYU Dining and the BYU Creamery. You know, if you go into the BYU Creamery, you can purchase a bottle of Martinelli Sparkling Cider, right? We know you can do that. Well, we are enjoying some Martinelli Sparkling Cider here in the broadcast booth out here in Amherst because of the good people at UMass to celebrate the end of their season, the end uh, of, of their campaign they uh, distributed a bottle of cider to the visiting broadcasters. Incredibly nice gesture. It reminds me of a gesture. So since my playing career, I've actually been in Cougar Stadium as a visitor. And that it was when uh, Utah State was coming in, and the tickets I was able to secure were tickets. Were, they were the Utah State tickets with my family. And I didn't know this because I'd never been a visitor at, B- at uh, Lovetto Edwards Stadium. But at halftime, they hand out BYU Creamery ice cream to the visiting fans, that little slice, that little section there. So at BYU, we hand out uh, uh, ice cream. Here at UMass, they were kind enough to give us some par- sparkling cider, which is nice. Very nice. Indeed. So uh, uh, Riley and I are partaking, and uh, Mitchell will soon join us and do the same. So it is BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation now, BYU CNN, BYU CNN, hashtag BYU CNN on Twitter. You can join us and uh, join the conversation and, uh, and spark some discussion. That's how we generally do it here on the show. 
Uh, we don't we don't take calls, but we do go to Twitter. This is see, 2019, right? right we, we we go to Twitter. We see what you're thinking. Uh, we'll even take your emails at uh, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. That's CougarNationNow, one long word, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. And we'll see what you have on your mind. And then depending on what you think, we'll tell you what we think, and then uh, we'll kick it around a little bit. But before we do any of that, and by the way, hashtag BYUCNN to join us on Twitter, the fact that BYU gets to 7-4 and four means winning record for the season. And uh, once upon a time, as in after South Florida, uh, just getting to a winning record wasn't necessarily locked in at 2-4. and four. And so to get where they were to where they are now, again, continued credit to Kalani and all the players for pulling it out the way they have and really changing the feel of this year, right? Yeah, and I I think about that South Florida, it's been ups and downs because you think about that midpoint in the season after six games after that South Florida loss, but even coming into the season, the vast majority of quote-unquote, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me on the radio, but of the experts said, hey, a 6-6 six and six season will be a tremendous success for BYU considering their schedule and yada, yada, yada. So the fact that they're sitting at seven right now with two more to play means that uh, they have really smashed preseason expectations out of the park and made an incredible turnaround from that 2-4 and four point. Mitchell Jurgens now joining us here in the broadcast booth. Uh, Mitchell, you survived the day, layered up and everything? I did. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was cold, but, the I mean, it was just a beautiful day for mid-November Massachusetts. I mean, I, I couldn't have asked for a better situation, and uh, the players as well. I mean, it was... Yeah, just such a good game. I mean, you you go back to that first half and uh, just just incredible performance by both sides of the ball. Um, and that you know that's what gives me so much optimism looking into this next week against San Diego State. What those ones were able to do. Um, yes, UMass you know isn't to the caliber of, of San Diego State, but man, to to limit a defense or to limit their offense to 16 yards in the first half and score on seven consecutive drives by the offense. That's just that's that's good football. That Touch, touchdowns on seven straight. It, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I mean that's just good football. That um, they they're going to have all the confidence in the world and um, heading into this game, uh, this game next week, and uh, just a, yeah, perfect day for football weather and all. Um, so so yeah, it was awesome to experience. Okay, drop us a line hashtag BYUCNN hashtag BYUCNN for Cougar Nation now. This is BYU Creamery and BYU Dining's Cougar Nation now. We'll come back and maybe hear a few more words from a uh, UMass's head coach Walt, Ball, Walt Bell as well as we roll on from Amherst. Final score fifty six twenty four Cougars over the Minutemen on the new skin BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Nation Now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Here's your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Drop us a tweet, hashtag BYUCNN, or drop me a tweet at Greg Rubel, or drop us an email. It's CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. You'll be using that email address and the Twitter uh, hashtag as well for ice cream a little bit later from now. Two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream coming your way for the correct answer to a skill testing trivia question. The question hasn't yet even been thought up. So we're just uh, edge-of-our-seat stuff here in uh, Amherst. All right, head coach of the uh, Minutemen is Walt Bell. We heard a snippet about uh, about 60 seconds or so earlier uh, of his immediate post-game reactions. We've got a second where we can hear a little more of what the uh, losing head coach had to say here today. UMass falls to BYU by a score of 56-24. And so the Minutemen end the year at 1-11. Uh, Their lone win came in September against winless Akron. So they end the year on seven straight losses to fall to 1-11. Uh, Coach Bell now taking a uh, question 
in the post-game media session giving his answer, and we'll tune into a little bit of what he had to say after his team falls to BYU today. First question. What was the morale like? Was it Were they kind of upset that it was just considering it was the last game of the season and the Isaiah Rodgers situation? What was the morale like in the locker room? Um, afterwards, you know, again, you know, I think, you know, for us, um, you know, I think in that locker room afterwards, it was just a, it's, it's a lot of, you know, older players that have been through a whole lot. You know, I went through a coaching change my senior year. I know how difficult that is. And so I kind of understand where they are, um, especially with the season that we've had and kind of where we are um, as a football program. But, yeah, I think more than anything else, it was just, you know, love for one another, you know. And, and obviously, anytime you're in dark times, you know, that, that's what's going to allow you to survive and, and continue to build and fight and, and you know, allow us to move the program forward. So I think more than anything else, just love for those older guys and everything that they've been through and um, just, gen- you know, just general appreciation for them and everything they've been through. What was your thoughts on the offensive performance? 16 total yards in the first half? Um, or, or just what's your thoughts on Yeah, that? you know, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, you know, a little bit shorthanded up front, um, you know, and so, you know, we had the five that we had, um, you know, one of which is a little beat up and still wanted to go. Um, so, you know, shorthanded up front, you know, and, and, and they're a big physical group, you know, and uh, I mean, again, you know, there's a reason that they had the defensive performances they had against, you know, Tennessee, SC, and, and Boise. They're a good football team. Um, and, and especially early in the football game, um, you know, didn't do a great job, you know, running the football, you know, and especially um, when you play a team like that, you know, first down efficiency is going to be huge, and you got to be able to have successful runs, three and four yard plays on first down, we're able to get that done. So, um, there was very little passing over the middle. It seems like just um, most of it was to the out swing, swing plays or just check downs to the outside. Was, was there any reason for that? Uh, they're a big drop eight football team, you know, and when you've got, uh, you know, three, three big kids like they do in the middle. You know, it kind of gives them the ability to drop eight in coverage, you know, and, and so to press the ball downfield, um, you know, is going to be hard. You know, and we knew that we were going to have to go a long way. We knew we were going to have to survive trying to run the football, sustain drives, and weren't able to do it early in the game. Did you learn anything in this game that you can take moving forward as far as progression? Um, you know, for, you know, yeah, that, that's a question you get all, asked all the time, you know, especially, uh, you know, when things don't go your way, you know, I, that's, that's not how I'm built, man. Um, you know, we got to keep pressing forward. And we, you know, we got to do a great job as a football staff and as a football program, becoming more connected, um, you know, doing more things but loving our heart, you know, as opposed to a workmanlike attitude, you know, love for one another. And that, that, that'll, that'll get us where we need to go. Have you received any updates on Isaiah? Um, absolutely. Um, he is already on his way back. So uh, he is going to be healthy. Um, down on the football field, he had movement in his extremities. He got a little bit zinged, you know. I, and obviously, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the dumb one in my family. I, I was the only one that didn't become a doctor, so um, I don't want to say anything out of turn. But um, he had movement in his in his hands and feet, and was speaking a little bit on the field. I think it was a little bit more precautionary why he got backboarded. Um, but they got there. By the time he had gotten there, he was starting to to feel much better. Um, and so he, he is already on his way back with his family. And, and uh, you know, obviously a really tough moment for everybody. And, uh, you know, I, I thought our football team handled it well and, and really complimentary of, of BYU and, you know, how concerned they were after the game. And, you know, they're a first-class organization. But, uh, he's he, you know, thank goodness he's healthy. And, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be getting ready to go play on Sundays in the future. 
when you get back to work this offseason, what are going to be some of the areas of focus you have? Uh, I, I think just, just overall, just general development. You know, I mean, we, we've got to grow. You know, and, and when I say grow, I don't only mean physically. I don't only mean what you can see tangibly. You know, we, we've got to grow as a team. You know, and obviously, you know, in your first year, there's so many things that you got to fix, and there's so many things outside the white lines that have got to come first before you truly can make a good football team, especially with the situation we're in. You know, on the APR before we got here, you know, we've, we've dumped an unbelievable amount of time into academics and making sure that our kids um, perform at a high level outside the white lines, but just, just becoming more connected, you know, and truly growing as a football team. And, and that doesn't mean just physically. You know, and uh, can't wait for spring football. Can't wait. You know, obviously we've got, you know, next two months are going to be huge for our football program and recruiting. And then as soon as that's over, we'll be back here um, and, you know, getting better, you know, and really working on our craft and, and working on the details of what we want to get done. All right, that was the other side of today's 56-24 BYU decision over UMass. That was Minuteman head coach Walt Bell. BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation Now continues after this. Brought to you by BYU Dining and the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. More from Amherst next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Cougar Nation Now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, to at Tuckinator on Twitter, asking us uh, for updates on Isaiah Rogers, and I hope he and others heard what uh, head coach Walt Bell just had to say about Isaiah Rogers, and that was, uh, I don't know, it felt like at least a 20-minute delay uh, when Isaiah Rogers was injured on a kickoff return in this game, and he was backboarded and stretchered off and put in an ambulance, and as Coach Bell said in the comments you heard a moment ago, and thanks again to intern Jeff, Jeffrey Carroll, for getting those, uh, Coach said he was on his way back to the stadium already, so... Was feeling uh, he had feeling in his extremities and was well enough to return to the stadium. So that's a uh, that's huge news and and it was just a um, uh, yeah again the word somber applies. It was a very downcast mood here for a while. Mitch, you were down there on the sideline too, uh, took the air out from it, didn't it? Yeah, no, it really did. And um, I mean, I I came on the air a little bit and said this. Uh, there were probably I mean, we'd probably snapped five plays by then and and the crowd was just still silent as can be i mean it definitely took a toll on not just the players but um the fans as well and uh, as i was down there one of the things that um uh, was was almost the toughest to watch was um it, it appeared to be the parents or family of isaiah rogers and you know they were being consoled by other players so probably his best friends that that, that had a relation uh relationship with their family and um, just to see, you know, potentially your son go through that or sibling. I mean, that that's a hard thing to do. And um, but uh, you know, c- uh, tribute to to BYU for you know saying a prayer on the field for him. And um, and uh, I mean, it was just yeah, hard moment. Very very difficult to watch, but very very glad that all signs are pointing upward. It is such a um, a violent game at times, and the hit that, uh, that that took him down wasn't one of those. It was more of a, a slipping while being – it was just a, a, a bad confluence of events. But later in the game, we see, uh, like Dax Milne, for example, uh, go yeah. up and having to stretch out for a ball that's thrown too high, and he gets hit in the back as he goes up. And, and he was a little slow to get up but did and got off. And you see these plays, and you just realize, um, you know, that the, the, the risk – 
at which these players are on every snap of the ball. And you were in it, Mitch, and Riley, you were in it, and you suffered a broken back in, t- to, in your playing days as a, as a BYU player, broken bones in your back. And um, it's just uh, you, you respect the effort of every player out there on every snap because it can, uh, it, can be a, it can be a hard game to get through at times, and today was one of those days. Yeah, it's a violent game, and especially when you're talking about someone's Yesterday, the three of us were having a conversation. We were talking about, oh, do you have any lingering effects? And I count myself one of the lucky ones to have played uh, beyond high school and significantly in college and not have any lingering uh, effects uh, of that. So despite having to deal with injuries at the time, uh, that it is a game that can change your life in an instant. And um, anyway, glad to hear that his prognosis is good. And uh, it, it just happens, as Kalani said, that, that BYU played clean. They played hard. Hard, and uh, just the nature of the game, unfortunately, exposes you to uh, that that unfortunate potential. Uh, but you hope it never happens, but it's a reality of it. So uh, uh, Brett Pine told us during the game, kind of confirming what we had said about BYU's 42-point second quarter. So it's the most points that BYU's ever scored in a single quarter. We knew that it was a record dating back to Lavelle. Brett did some more work. It's an all-time record. So BYU never scored 42 and a quarter till the second quarter today. And, and one of the interesting things about that particular quarter and the way it turned out, it, it wasn't as if um, UMass was um, you know, committing turnovers uh, on every possession. They, they really weren't. Uh, BYU only got one eye. They only, they only had one INT in that stretch of seven drives, seven touchdowns in the second quarter. The rest came off punts. And granted, there were a lot of three and outs, and they weren't playing well, UMass, but they weren't just giving BYU the ball. The Cougars still had to drive with it, and they did. So kudos to BYU in scoring seven times on seven possessions with the benefit of only one uh, UMass turnover. And uh, uh, Twitter question asks, is it just a program record for points in a single quarter? And the answer is yes, because the NCAA record for points in a quarter is 49. Now, BYU did have a chance, had they chosen to do so, to go for that record. They were at 42 and got the ball back with a minute to go in the first half. They did run a few plays, end up pulling up shy to let Jake Oldroy kick a field goal, which he missed. But, um, you know, there was a chance of a 49-point quarter there for a while, and they didn't even get 45 as, as Jake missed a field goal of 28 yards. Before I get back to the tweets and, and, and the emails, well, maybe a quick email and then back to the point about uh, Jake Oldroyd. Uh, the question coming in from Mark Sanders on the email, Cougar Nation now at byu.edu. When will Tyson Williams be able to apply for a medical hardship to see if he can play next year, and is he going to do that? As to the when and the timing of that, I don't know, but I do know that the last we heard was that that was his intent to at least explore, explore the possibility of returning to play some more football for BYU, and that would be awesome. Uh, the great thing is he's really enjoyed his BYU experience, and he does plan to get his master's from BYU. But everything I've heard, maybe you guys can confirm too, that uh, that's the intent. As to the particulars, and if he actually fits into the NCAA's window of does this meet the, uh, uh, you know, d- 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 is it a good case? I don't know. Back when I was playing um the if it was third game happened within the first three games you were pretty good but since then some things have changed they've added a second bye week and there's some other dynamics have changed in the landscape of college football this it happened in the fourth game for BYU or sorry for Tyson this year against Washington it it did happen in the first half uh, half of the fourth game so depending on if you're measuring you know are you measuring quarters are you measuring 13 games are you measuring 12 games all of that thing because as a general rule if it happens 
in the first 25% of contests, and this is across any sport when applying for a medical register, if it happens within the first 25% of the game, so in a 12-game season, that's the first three, then you're pretty good. The percentages are pretty good of getting it granted. If it happens outside that window, um, it's it's iffy. So, uh, And then considering also to his previous transfer history, they're trying to see, you know, has he, has he used up his, his goodwill relative to waivers? He went to North Carolina, to South Carolina, South Carolina to BYU. So there's been some um, optional or tactical red shirts, if you will, involved. And so that's all part of this mix as well. Yeah, I mean, if he does get, um, you know, the ability to come back and play again, talk about that running back, um, the running back depth for BYU next year. That's going to be quite the position battle. I mean, you see a, a ton of running backs for BYU that are just proving that they can be an every down back. Um, so if that does happen, I will be very curious to see that position battle um, as we head into you know spring and fall camp and, and see what kind of style and play and offense that they'll call to to you know use all of these talented running backs. And how incredible is it, Mitch, that Jackson McChesney goes for 228. Now, granted, he did it against a, a very porous defense today, but he goes for 228 and will be a freshman next year. Yeah. <laughs> so no, he's, it's, it's, he's, he's, already, he's already got the freshman running back record at BYU, and he'll be a freshman again next year, and he already has the sixth-best single-game rushing total in Cougar football history. Now, BYU's played a lot of FCSs and a lot of struggling teams, and no one's gone for 228 in their freshman year. So it wasn't like that. I mean, granted... UMass isn't great, and, and people, people run for a ton on them, but BYU's had many games over the years where somebody could have busted a game like this. hadn't happened. So yeah. kudos to Jackson. Yeah, well, and going back, I mean, if anybody's questioning whether Jackson did this because it was UMass, go back and watch some of these, these uh, incredible runs, and not only was he powerful, I mean, we saw countless times where he ran Running lower, over people. Just delivering a huge blow. Um, I, I mean, it was just so impressive. But the guy's nimble, too. I mean, he was, he was agile. Um, he, he's got great vision. And so, yes, UMass is prone to, you know, um, giving up some big runs. But it, it, was, it was Jackson creating those spaces for himself a lot of times as well. Uh, I mean, credit to the offensive line for getting him there. But he did an incredible job um, to, to earn that 228 yards. It was fun to see. And he's got a long career ahead of him still. And, and now, you know, we didn't talk a lot about it in-game and, and hit on it a little bit pre-game. But the Sione Finau thing. Man, you just hope that, um, you know, wh- whatever has to get done to fix him up and get him recovered um, goes well enough to where he can play again, you know, uh, next season and be the same guy. And that's always the thing, too. You always wonder, okay, yeah, he's back, but is he really back, back? And ACLs these days are such that most guys, they look as good as new. But, um, you know, if it's a more complicated thing or a more involved thing, and you, you just hope because it happens so late in the year. It puts you in the window, right, Riley, where you hope – that by August he's ready to go, but that's you know almost like a, a seven you know seven eight months away, and usually the window seems to be a little longer than that. Is that fair or not fair? It, it is. I think it just football in the state of Utah. But Britton Covey, who's a local, you know, he's a Provo product, but playing for University of Utah. His injury happened at about the same time this time last year, and he came back. He was ready. He went through fall camp and he played the first few games, but. Um, he was not quite, he wasn't, you talk about being the same player you were before. He was not the same player that he was before, so they shut him down still within the red shirt window and was able to do that. So Sione is going to be facing that same thing. It's, it is going to be tough um, for, for him to be able to come back. But everyone's different, and every rehab is different, and every injury is different. No two ACLs are the same. And so we're hoping, as you said, this is one that uh, the, the, the repair and recovery can be really slick. 
So all the best wished for him. Uh, it looked like Lapini Katoa got out of the game unscathed, more or less, and that's positive. So he was good today. He'll be good next week. And so you will have uh, Lopini Katoa, Tyler Algier, if you keep Tyler there, and I think you would. Jackson McChesney all ready to go against San Diego State. And I like that group. Uh, you, could, you could win with that group. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, field goal situation. All right. Uh, Jake Oldroyd has the great first year. Um, you know, he has the game-winning kick against Arizona. Uh, gets injured shortly thereafter. Uh, they shut him down. He goes on his mission. He comes back. And then he starts the year like this. Make from 32, make from 37, make from 31, make from 42, make from 33, make from 23, a miss from 44, then a make from 32, a make from 43, a make from 43, a make from 54. So there's a 54 in there. So he opens up the year 10 for 11 on his field goal tries. And then he has since gone 4 for 10. Something's up there. It's got to get worked out because it, it wasn't so much that it killed him today. It didn't. But as one of the coaches chatted with me today, you need to be able to count on him. Okay, you, there are going to be games where you need to be able to count on those kicks going in. And whereas early in the year, you could, 10 for 11. Right now, you can't, 4 for 10. And uh, his misses are, five of them are from 39, 39, 38, 38, and 28. And Riley, as you noted before, he wasn't missing inside 40. In fact, and, and until the Toledo game, he never missed a field goal inside 40. And now he's missing all the time inside 40, and now inside 30. So it's not just that long kicks are, are falling short or, or it, it's that short kicks are hitting uprights and being wide and, and again not to be too alarmist on this and it didn't hurt them today but you want to be able to know that there are automatic points when you get you know to the, uh, to the 25 yard line and you really can't feel that right now yeah and one of the things <coughs> that I picked up on the last I know his last three attempts have all been from the left hash and not to get too much into the into the aspect of kicking, but as you think about think about a kicker swinging his leg, it's much easier to be straight on or on the right hash because your leg, as it follows through, it finishes across your body, so it will naturally pull the ball that way. Well, when you're on the left hash, kicking kicking away from you, it's a more awkward angle. You have to your leg has to more finish away or straight away if if you're aligned properly. So he is he has his last three field goal attempts have all been from the left hash, and he has pushed them all right, meaning he's kicked it across the field, across the uprights, and missed right. You're right. He hasn't been mishitting it. To, um, these aren't these are balls that still look good end over end. They still have good height. Uh, the trajectory of them is good. It's just he cannot seem to finish the aim. And uh, much like a golf swing, and when I've talked to kickers in the past, they equate it to a golf swing. It, it, a lot of it's in your head. You just He's got to do whatever he's got to do to kind of cleanse his mind, go out there, gain some confidence back, and just kick the ball because right now it looks like he's more trying – to guide it, and mm -hmm. uh, he's unsure of himself. I do believe, and he's only a freshman too, um, he'll, he'll end up with records at BYU. Uh, I, he's, he's, he's clearly a talent, but he's in a slump right now, and it's got to get worked out. And, and the close games will come. And, and uh, you could argue that uh, you know, BYU loses you know, um, the Toledo game in part because of the missed field goals that day. It was, it was, it, it was a factor on, on that day. And uh, there was one against USF, not maybe as critical, but every point in those kinds. Of, I mean, by the end of the game, you're not having to score a touchdown, you're having to score a field goal. All these things come home to roost. Uh, and he hasn't had a lot of looks lately either. Let's, let's say that as well. In the last five games, he's had only five, uh, make it four, field goal tries and just one make. So since South Florida, or in other words, during the five-game win streak, oddly, he has one field goal make during the five-game uh, win streak. One field goal make in five wins. Interesting. All right, uh, email from, uh, coming in from Harold Scoresby. And here's how the email reads. Uh, San Diego State has one of the top defenses in the country. They give up only 13.7 points per game. Tremendous. On the other hand, he writes, they score only 20.4 points per game. 
yet they have an 8-2 and two record, as you note, Riley. Outside of not turning the ball over, he asks, what do you see as the keys to win next week on the road? And hope with your indulgence, I'll tell you this, Riley. He says, by the way, Greg, he says, you made a great ki- pick choosing Riley as your sidekick. Well, I, you. I agree. I agree. I, I think Riley's been wonderful. So uh, Harold Scoresby's question are, are keys. You want to give us a hint of the keys to the game next week? So, uh, by the way, always happy to be the Robin to your Batman. Uh, he, I always I did have a more affinity for, for Robin than Batman. I think it was the colors. Um, but uh, so, uh, key, as I see it, first of all, you cannot let the defense – look, they're going to be stingy, and, and yards and points are going to be hard to come by. But what you can't let the uh, defense for San Diego State do is become their offense. In other words, much like the muff, muffed punt today where you set them up on a short field – or you can't let them create a play or a turnover that makes life easy on their offense. So that is, there's my, I'll only give one, but there's my first key to the game is you can't allow SDSU's defense to become their offense. Because if you play them straight up, yeah, they're going to be stingy and it's going to be hard to come by, but BYU's offense is good enough to score against them. And if you don't allow the defense to tee it up nicely for their offense, BYU's defense is good enough to to keep their offensive numbers suppressed enough to create a margin in there for a victory. Uh, Mitchell, more on what we talked about a second ago. Tweet coming in from at 12 Stallions. His name is Andy Stallings, and he says, how do you guys feel about running back by committee? With the running back lineup, they could spread it out pretty evenly and keep them as fresh as possible. So uh, and maybe not just against San Diego State, but moving forward, if you didn't have a bell cow, a workhorse, and heaven, for, you know, BYU hasn't had that guy for a while because everyone gets hurt. No one stays healthy. It's amazing. But that said, uh, your thoughts, uh, Mitch, on uh, spreading it out? And say you went with those three primarily. Could you just say, yeah, our rotation is it's going to be Peeney and it's going to be Tyler and Jackson McChesney. We'll give them equal carries. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm all for running back by committees um, because I think it does. It takes a load and pressure off of, um, you know, one specific back. It also, it also helps as far as competition, in-game competition. Um, but one thing I will say to that, though, is – um, you got to feed the guy who's hot as well. And so what, what's great about having, you know, three running backs that are equally capable of making big plays, um, there are going to be moments where maybe, a, you know, a running back doesn't have, maybe he's not seeing the holes as well, and, and another is. And so at that point, too, I think you still, yes, you may have that running back by committee approach, but it's not coming into the game saying each one of these ball carriers are going to have five carries. It's feed the guy who's hot. Um, if they're all hot, then, you know, keep them engaged, um, keep them active. Um, but uh, it's definitely not a problem to have to have multiple running backs who can produce um, that you can rely on. Unless you're in fantasy football, then you hate <laughs> running backs by committee at that point. Absolutely, no. You hate them. <laughs> uh, any thoughts on that, Riley, or are we good? Just that I think it's going to be a two-man race, I think, between Tyler Algier, and I think it's going to be Lopini Cato and Jackson McChesney. It's good to, for Tyler to be such a team player because he was he was playing very well on defense, but it's good for him to come back over to the offense, provide the depth needed. But uh, part, part of the way that you simplify that process that Mitch just alluded to is only have two guys. And uh, Lopini obviously has been great out of the backfield, great in the screen game, and Jackson's shown his ability to, you know, classically – take the handoff, tote the ball under the rock, and, and be able to produce there. How weird is it that uh, this particular streak came to an end today? The streak was this. BYU had lost 18 consecutive games without the advantage in average starting field position margin. Today, BYU was minus one in average starting field position margin, meaning UMass actually had the better average starting field position today, and BYU won it going away. And so that string of 18 consecutive losses without 
positive ASV, ASFP ends, of all places, at UMass. UMass was plus one today. And so you could argue the muff punt BYU had, that's the difference right there. They got a short field of, what, 12, 14 yards, and that's what gave them the margin in this. But the Cougars will, I think, take the scoreboard margin, a 56-24 when it all comes down to it. All right, let's give you two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream, shall we? Here we go. It is time for BYU Dining, BYU Creamery, Inside Scoop Trivia, brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition, have a scoop today. I will give you a question. The correct answers will then come streaming in on Twitter with the hashtag BYUCNN. Some will just tweet me personally, and that's okay. But I may not see it as quickly as I see the other ones. Hashtag BYUCNN. And some will email us, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. The first correct answer, to the best of my ability to discern, the first correct answer will win two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. And here we go. So we tell you today that Jackson McChesney rushes for 228 yards. That is, that, is, uh, that is officially seventh all-time. I said sixth earlier, but I think it's seventh all-time for a single game at BYU. So, of the... Oh, let's go back it up. Mm, no, I think I was right. I think, it was, I think I was right on on six. It is. It is the sixth all-time single game rushing mark. Okay, so we'll, that's good. He's at six. So here we are. The top five single game. BYU rushing yardage totals. I will give you four of the five players. Cougar Nation's uh, uh, task is to come up with the one that's missing. So who's the fifth of the top five all-time single-game BYU rushing yardage totals? These are not in any order, by the way, but these are the five players minus one. You give me the missing one. I will give you Pete Van Valkenburg, who had 247. I will give you Eldon Fortai, who had 272. I will give you Jamal Williams, who has the record at 286. I will even give you Taysom Hill, who has a 259. The fifth of the five I'm not giving you. Who is the missing member of the top five single-game BYU Rushing Yardage Club? The first correct answer wins two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. The top five have in them Jamal Williams, Eldon Fortai, Taysom Hill, and Pete Van Valkenburg, and one mystery guest. Who is the mystery guest? Your answers come in, and the first one that's correct wins two half gallons of famous Creamery ice cream on BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation Now, on the new skin BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Nation Now on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Here's your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. We are in the prize-winning portion of today's broadcast. The uh, trivia question for two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream has been given. Here's the question. Of BYU's top five single-game rushing performances, I gave you the runners responsible for four of them, and they were Jamal Williams, Eldon Fortai, Taysom Hill, and Pete Van Valkenburg. I left one of the five out. I said, who's the missing guy? And the answers came flooding in, both on the email and the Twitter. On the email, the guesses are, like Luke Staley is a guess. Curtis Brown was a guess. Jamal Williams was a guess. Harvey Unga was a guess. Jeff Blank was a guess. Another Luke Staley. Another Taysom Hill, although I gave you Taysom Hill. You shouldn't have guessed that. And then we also <laughs> thought had... thought it was a trick question. Yeah, we, had Squally, <laughs> we had Squally Canada as a guess. Uh, we had Brian McKenzie as a guest. Another Harvey Unga and many more Luke Staley's. And none of these are correct. But somebody was right. And that somebody was really quick, too. The first answer into us, the first correct answer, came courtesy of Randy Gunn, at Randy B. Gunn on Twitter. And the answer is Ronnie Jenkins. Ronnie Jenkins. 
250 yards against San Jose State in 1998. So it goes. Jamal Williams, 286. Eldon Fortai, 272. Taysom Hill, 259. Ronnie Jenkins, 250. Pete Van Valkenburg, 247. And then today, Jackson McChesney, number six, at 228 rushing yards. So congratulations to you at Randy B. Gunn. Randy Gunn, I'll be in touch with you. Watch your DMs. We'll get information exchanged, and we'll get you those two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream. All right. Hey, uh, our thanks to those who tuned in who maybe otherwise don't normally always tune into the radio. We know that uh, um, you know today's television broadcast was seen on Nesson here locally in the Northeast. A lot of folks have Nesson got to watch it that way, and some chose to foot the bill to, to go watch the broadcast online today, and that's great, but if you chose uh, to not do either of those things, um, we're glad that you joined us if you did today to tune in on the radio. We hope you had a good time with us, and uh, I won't uh, read the tweet, but I want to thank a guy like Reed Bates out there who sent in a nice tweet about how much he enjoyed the broadcast today, and there were others of you in the game who were letting us know where you were tuning in, so our appreciation to all of you. So whether you were a regular listener or someone who doesn't join us very frequently, we hope you enjoyed what you heard today as BYU wins it 56-24. to 24. So I think we've reached the end of our broadcast day. A little more than seven hours into our broadcast, we will call it good from Amherst, Massachusetts. We're going to thank our crew, the crew back at BYU Radio, led by engineer Sean Fay, coordinating producer Terry South, control board operator Tanner Rawl, broadcast intern James Havel, and our studio host, Jason Shepard. Jason's long day continues. He'll be taking a brief break and then heading out to Southfield for BYU and NC State in the Sweet 16. Jen Rockwood's team looking to advance to the Elite Eight against either Penn State or Stanford next week. Have to get past NC State tonight. That'll be 5.30 p.m. pregame and a 6 p.m. kick on 107.9 FM BYU Radio along with BYUCougars.com and the BYU Cougars app. Go to the BYU Cougars app, click on soccer, click on radio, and you are off and running with Jason and Avery Walker tonight. So for the crew back in Provo, many thanks. Our booth crew, intern Jeff, intern Jeffrey Carroll, doing great work with our engineers, Michael Wimmer and Barry Squires. Our appreciation to Duff Tittle and to Brett Pine, the BYU Football Media Relations Office, uh, the social crew, the video crew, Brandon Despain, Tyson Hutchins, Tyson Hutchins, Stuart Call, and all the rest. Great work by everybody. And uh, I guess that would leave our stats guy, uh, Ralph Sokolowski, and our spotter, McKay Perry, which brings us down to the on-air crew here in the booth. And that would be the man to my left. Riley Nelson. And the man to my right. Mitchell Jurgens. And my name is Greg Rubel. Thanking you for tuning in. Final score, BYU 56 and UMass 24. So in the meantime and in between time, this has been BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Good night and so long from Amherst, Massachusetts. You've been listening to live coverage of BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Coverage of today's game has been brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen. Siegfried and Jensen has been helping Utah families for over 25 years. BYU football is also proudly supported by Ken Garf Honda, Nissan, and Volkswagen in Orem. BYU football is a production of BYU Athletics in association with BYU Broadcasting. Special thanks to BYU President Kevin Worthen, Vice President Matt Richardson, Athletic Director Tom Homo, and General Manager of Corporate Sponsorships Casey Stoffer. BYU Football is an exclusive presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network.